I'm Russ. And I'm Danny. And this is the Memory Makers Podcast. The show focused on helping you create better customer experiences and make more memories. Hey, Danny. Russell. Russell <laughs> The Russmeister. Making copies. Oh, Making man. Copies. Oh, see, the reference I had in my mind was not that movie. It was actually The Mighty Ducks. The guy who's, oh, you know, the yeah. goldmeister, No, I was going back to Rob Schneider, like, SNL skit making copies. So we've got something for everybody really, yeah. as far as... A very, very different place. I actually just recently was on a flight. Uh, I had no plan on even sharing this, but it just popped up in my mind. I was on a flight recently, and I was looking through the movie options, and I was like, oh, The Mighty Ducks? Haven't seen that in a while. Play. Hey, so nostalgia. That's top of mind for me. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, we're so we're dorks. All right, I love yes, you. Yes, yes, we are. Um, <laughs> we're we're a unique brand of nerd. Yes, weird nerdy bro hangs Danny and I get to have, and you guys are along for the ride today. So appreciate everybody joining us. Danny and I are looking forward to having a very agreeable episode, given how often we said agree in our last episode. Uh, so our goal is today is to completely disagree um, and and really get some clickbait happening here. So it'll be things like Russ and Danny break up question mark or whatever. So we'll we'll just get nuts with it. Controversial. Now that is the uh, one of the benefits of having a producer that makes the episode for us because he can let us know hey by the way you said agree way too much in the last episode we go oh yeah that's good to know thanks yeah mikey mike on the ones and twos is looking out for us in a number of ways and we're not above growing and uh you know sunshine is the best disinfectant when it comes to that stuff so (laughs) oh brother I want to get into it. I want to start talking about understanding attraction factors as folks are getting into, um, again, another round of trade shows, getting ready to have a few things on the book, trying to see what's going to be the next big thing for their centers. And as we talk with folks and as we've especially grown our attraction portfolio, this has been something for us that, you know, for your, your tried and true salty dog vets, this is going to be things that they use on a regular basis. For you folks newer to the game, this will have some really good insights to it. Regardless, either of you will will be able to hopefully have a little bit more of a, an intentional approach on how you're going to make these factors work together. So let's start off with the big three when we consider new attractions for a space. Uh, you know, I always say you can't, you, the only two things that you can't get more of in our industry is time and square footage. So overall size requirements is a really important one to factor in. Um, there's no right answer for attractions, right? It depends on, do you want something that's, you know, high throughput and capacity? Do you want something that's a smaller footprint that's unique and boutique, but you can charge more for it? Um, there's, there's yin and yang with all of these. And, and you have a lot of options at your discretion. So looking at what the size is going to be and, and do I actually have the square footage and the space for it? Um, what is the throughput and the capacity look like? So how often am I turning that seat over and what's my earning um, capacity for that? How many people are able to play at a time? How many people am I getting through an hour? What's my average spend? So that way we get an idea of, okay, based on the amount of square footage that this is taking up and the number of people I can get through, I need to be able to justify this price point in order to ensure um, that I'm getting those metrics and those key performance indicators like price per square foot and revenue per square foot um, that that the seasoned vets are using on a regular basis to you know say, hey, was, is this working for us? Is this not? What kind of attractions are we trying to hit? 
And the last one is price. So, you know, what what is what is that piece that we can charge for it? How much does it cost us initially? What's our return on investment look like over the course of a year? Does it hit that kind of golden rule of, you know, ROI in 12 months or less for a larger type of an attraction? Is it something that, um, you know, we're going to have to do some extra programming and, and content creation for in order to drive it if we're thinking about something like esports? Like, how do we make money on this? And there's a fourth key factor that we're going to touch on in just a little bit. But Danny, I wanted you to give us some examples of how these first three of size, throughput, and pricing are working together. And then we'll we'll add in the fourth secret ingredient. Secret ingredient. You're making it uh, very mysterious. I mean, it's not secret. It's secret for a minute and a half before we get into it. But <laughs> Okay. I will try to make it a minute and 45 seconds just to make it a little bit longer. Well, now I feel like I'm rushing you. Take your time. <laughs> so... As Russ mentioned, those are the three factors that are the biggest ones when we're considering the attractions to add. So I want to give a couple of examples of how these three kind of work together. So the first one would be a bread and butter piece for us that we've been doing for over 25 years, which is laser tag arenas. So you're going to be looking at um, somewhere between 3,500 and 4,000 square feet for a 24 player system, right? And so depending on the kind of facility that you have, that's a pretty big chunk of square footage. but the attraction makes up for that in capacity. One, uh, that size attraction, you're going to be able to get about 100 guests an hour through it. Plus, uh, the price point, you're going to be charging anywhere between 8 and 12 bucks per person per play. And so while it does take up a larger chunk of square footage, you've got the capacity and you've got the price point in order to make up for that. They all three work together. Now, let's consider an example that's kind of the exact opposite of that. Something like a traditional escape room. Right, a traditional escape room is gonna be an hour long experience. It's gonna be about 500 square feet total. So it's a very small chunk of your square footage, but the difference there is that your throughput is a lot lower. You're gonna be anywhere between six and eight, maybe up to 10 people in a given hour, but in order to make up for that, you're able to charge a much higher price point. Depending on you know your market and, and how you're positioning, that's going to be anywhere between $20 and $35 per play per person. And so mm -hmm. those are a couple examples of how those three factors of the size requirements, the hourly capacity, and the price point that you can charge all work together. Now, Russ, I want to throw back to you. I don't know if that was a minute and a half. It was probably longer. But I want to throw back to you to hit on the fourth mystery ingredient so to speak so this is it just comes down to staffing right what and this is where it's so easy to either underestimate the impact of your staff or overestimate your ability to take on an attraction without thinking through what's that true cost of ownership look like and staffing is always this double-edged sword right because it's a hard number on the books when we look at our labor ratios and we're trying to be you know conservative with where and how we're spending money and not be frivolous with it. Staffing is one of those things that I really challenge folks. And Danny, I know you do this as well as I try to challenge folks in conversations of to a certain extent, yes, your staff is an overhead expense. To a certain extent, it's also it's marketing and guest satisfaction and amenities because you need to be able to have this high touch, high fidelity, red carpet type of engagement and experience if you're going to be able to justify the higher price points in your market and, and you're not going to sell on price. You're going to be, you know, the gem of your market. You need to have a nice touch point with your staff. And so... There's a variety of the staffing requirements, right? If it's laser tag, hey, I'm looking at one person that can 
um, staff this during a game. You know, on Tuesdays through Thursdays, I really don't have to have a dedicated staff member that's staffing this attraction every single time. But then on Saturdays, I'm going to have two, if not three people in order to manage the queue line and monitoring safe gameplay inside of the experience, keeping all of that working in concert together. Um, so it helps us understand what that is versus something like a HyperDeck VR attraction where, hey, this needs to be staffed every single time because I need to be able to get orient and inform guests on how to have a great experience with this, as well as intervene if it's a more technical product and, and be able to help guests troubleshoot or, or understand the technology if they're just not familiar with it. And so when you're operating right, the added revenue that you get from some of those things like a, a VR platform, for example, where it's, hey, if, if it's a it, it, there is no real unmanned VR, right? There are VR, There's arcade-friendly VR that's out there, but chances are those of you who have started to build a library of it are starting to put your VR relatively close together so that way your staff can better kind of work that zone defense on VR because it's new to the guests, it's new to your staff, it's just not in the zeitgeist at such a permeated level that, that it just is intuitive and simple. And so we're still on that adoption curve for things like that. But... We need to make sure that if I have a staff member that's able to carnival bark and engage and smile and laugh with guests as they're going through the place, not only is that a great touch point for a guest experience to begin with, whether they're doing the attraction or not, but two, when they are on it, you're ensuring and setting proper expectations and, and proper use for it. You're going to have upsell opportunities they, that may encourage them to do an attraction that they weren't expecting to do. It's so critical to make sure that you are showing up for your guests the way that they deserve to be shown up for for the price that you want to charge for it and so the last piece on the staffing side is if you if something needs to be staffed you need to staff it you know it's 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 there are times where we can use flex labor and and pieces but the most successful operators that have whether it's dark rides or vr or escape rooms is that they will have dedicated staff members there to work those because the guest experience is very poor if a person has to go and find someone at the front counter to then be able to go turn on or unlock the experience and do all of this stuff it just it adds friction to the process um and ultimately it it doesn't serve the greater piece of we want to just make things easy as you come here to escape and celebrate, which is what your staff is there to do. So, uh, Danny, any th- other thoughts that you have on the staffing side? I know that this is a bit of a passion point for us because, and it's ironic as attraction manufacturers, one of the biggest things that we beat on our drum is staffing guest experience, staffing and guest experience, staffing and guest experience. Yeah, there's a couple things that I, I wanted to mention. Uh, one is that you you talked about VR, right? And one of the things that it can be very easy for an operator to do is, especially on days where they may not be as busy, put up a sign. Let's say they have HyperDeck VR or something like that that requires staffing. Put up a sign that says, see us at the front counter to play. And in, it, intuitively, you're like, oh, that makes sense because I don't want to pay someone to stand there but I want people to have the ability to play. But the problem is 99% of customers are gonna walk right by and never actually play it. Because here's the phrase that I like to use. You're telling the customer, it's not worth our time, so it shouldn't be worth yours. That's the message that we're sending customers. If we're unwilling to staff an attraction, that needs to be staffed. And so that's an example I like to bring up. And again, like you talked about, Russ, 
it's easy to look at staffing as um, a line item expense, right? It's, it's something that uh, impacts your bottom line, but it actually impacts it in the opposite way that you might think, because when you have the right people and you're engaging them appropriately, and you're creating that culture, which we've talked about in previous episodes, you're able to generate so much more revenue than you otherwise would have. And another helpful tip to, to think about, and this may depend on the size of your facility and what mm. kind of nomenclature you use for the hierarchy of your staff, but finding, let's use laser tag as an example, either a manager or potentially a shift, a shift supervisor that can own that attraction. Because what we've seen a lot of times is they can say, oh, our arcade manager runs the arcade and runs the redemption and runs the laser tag and runs the bumper cars and runs the VR. Mm -hmm. It's too many things. You can't give it enough detailed attention to make sure that you're holding your staff to a high standard and be able to provide that white glove, red carpet experience that you talked about, Russ. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to have someone on your team that can own each attraction and say, I'm going to make this the best that it can be, whether that is a manager, assistant manager, supervisor, whatever nomenclature makes sense for the size of your facility. I think that's something that can be very helpful as well. And there are tons of resources, you know, both free and paid for that you can you can do. I mean, whether it's YouTube examples of just really cool guest satisfaction and touch points that you can do. Um, the Facebook operators group is phenomenal. You've got, um, you know, different programs and things specifically around VR um, that help folks get a better internalization and understanding of creating, you know, programming and content and tournaments, but getting staff buy in on those things, too. So there's a ton of great op. Uh, there are are a ton of great options out there. Don't feel like you're you're having to kind of reinvent the wheel from scratch if this is an area that you need to get a little bit more robust in. And so to wrap up, there are the, the four main factors that impact the attraction decisions that you want to make for your facility, whether you're opening a brand new center or you're looking to add something new, expand, anything like that. And it's the size requirements of how much room it's going to take up. It is the hourly capacity of how many guests you can get through in a given hour. It is the price point that you're able to charge. And it's the staffing requirements that, um, that you'll need in order to operate it appropriately and efficiently. And when you can figure out how to make all four of those work in harmony, that's when you can make the right attraction decisions for your business, your goals, and your market. And we hope that this episode helped you a little bit with that. And I would say that is a good wrap up for the episode. Wouldn't you say, Russ? I would say so. And just know, guys, again, come to us. We have episodes dropping weekly. So always be sure to come back and uh, get insights from us and lessons we've learned from guests that we will have on. We're really excited to bring more and more of this, this to you and hopefully empower and impact the businesses and, and help you guys create more memories. And if you like what you heard, do not forget to subscribe and leave a review. We'd appreciate it. And give us those five stars. If you have any ideas for future episodes, topics, or guests, let us know. Shoot us a message on any of our social media channels. Big shout out to Mike back on the ones and twos, making the ultra web work for us. Uh, thank you for joining us and we will catch you on the next one, troublemakers.